you're going to be severely disappointed after an introduction like that. That fear is real. <laughs> um, but I, all those things, of all those things, um, the thing that you said that is most true is that I love my ministry. I appreciate every one of these men, and it's been a true honor to grow alongside them and to be able to ask questions and to be able to learn from them, to be able to watch them, to, to see how they preach and, and how they move about and how they pray with people and, and the burden that they have for this church. And I want to give honor to them if we would give them a hand clap tonight. I love my bishop and I love my pastor. I love their families and I give honor to them. They have been incredibly good would be uh, quite the understatement. And so I very much appreciate them and appreciate this church, everything that everybody has been to me. There's a lot of, I know I'm taking my time, but it's not gonna be very long tonight, so. Um, but everybody that's been so very good to me, it is such an honor to stand behind this pulpit. We were taken down, speaking of all the things that I do, we were taken down the old chairs that were in here, the purple chairs, and we were taking out the whole old pulpit and breaking it down, and it was pretty sad. And I began to think about all those that have preached this great truth. And that pulpit isn't here anymore, but it's still the same great truth. Amen? And it's still the same great preachers. I'm, I'm very appreciative for everything that they are. If you would turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse number 1. I give honor to God. I'm so very grateful for His mercy and His grace. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse number 1. A very famous passage. Verse number 1, it reads... Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Shoko, which belongeth to Judah. The Philistines were gathered in a place and their armies were battling in a place that belonged to the people of God. And they pitched between Shoko and Ezekiah in Ephes Damim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah, and set the battle in array against the Philistines. If you would turn to Genesis, one more scripture, Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32 and verse number 22. Verse number 22 reads, Speaking of Jacob, and he rose up that night and took his two wives and his two women servants and his eleven sons and passed over the Ford Jabbok. He passed over the Ford Jabbok. For a few moments tonight, I would like to speak on battles. To speak on battles. If you are going to help me, please put your Bible down and help me pray. God, I pray that you would work a mighty miracle, God, in this house. We know that you've already filled some people with the Holy Ghost, and we give you glory, God, and we give you honor for that, God, but I believe that you're still going to do some things, God, in this service. If you still believe that, then why don't you clap your hands? Why don't you give God the glory for what he's going to do? 
Oh, thank you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. All through the history books, there have been encounters. There have been encounters of, of wars, and these wars are not just one war. It's, it's a war that's made up of battles. And I've had the privilege of going to, to some places such as Washington, D.C., and, and they have these memorials that are set up for World War I and, and World War II and the Korean War Memorial and the Vietnam War Memorial, and they are all set up to commemorate the war. But the war is made up of all these different battles. One of the most impactful is behind the Old North Church. And it is perhaps because everything else is so grandiose in Washington, D.C. that it's behind this Old North Church where it is connected with Paul Revere and the lighting of the lanterns to let the British, to let the, the colonists know that the British are coming. But it is on the back side, and, and it's not real big. It's probably... I don't even know, probably 10 feet by 2 or 3 feet. It's not very deep, and, and all it is is just some post. It's a post, and it's got strings running from one post to the next post to the next post. And in this memorial that is not very big, there are all these dog tags. And it's to commemorate those that have lost their lives in the Iraq and Afghanistan war. And obviously that, that war has come to a close, and and, but during that time, it, there were still dog tags that were getting added because of battles that we encounter in our life. And all battles are different. And this may sound profound, but I don't mean in just the amount of ammo that is used or the particular individuals that are involved. But it is the combination of all of the variables, such as time and place and who was fighting, meaning that every battle is unique to itself. That every battle is, is special to itself. That it won't be like the battle that you faced before. And it won't be like the battle that you're facing tomorrow. The battles are different from each other. In battles of the Bible, we can look and take, take a look and see that the Israelites, Brother Landon, would take on the impossible walls of Jericho. And they would trust in God and they would walk around them seven times on the seventh day. And they would sing and praise God with a loud voice. And the walls would come crumbling down. But the very next battle that they take on is a city by the name of Ai. And it is a smaller city. It doesn't have the great huge walls that Jericho has. The inhabitants, there's not as great a number of them. And so the Hebrews decide that we don't need to send the full army. And what happens is defeat. There was victory at Jericho, but the very next battle of Ai, there is defeat. There are 36 Hebrews that are killed in the battle because every battle is different. The Israelites, excuse me, Gideon, with God's help, would lead 300 men against 135,000 Midianites. And God would confuse them and he would make the Midianites to fight against each other and then flee. The Philistines would fight against the Israelites time and time again. 
And I mention these to prove that battles in the Bible and battles in life are different from one another. They are fought at different times in the person's life. They are fought at different places in the prayer life. And, and maybe you haven't fasted or maybe you fasted more than what you were when you were in the, the, the previous battle. They are all different. Sometimes they're fought between different armies. But there are other battles that are recorded that are not nation against nation. But they are man against man. We read about one named David and Goliath. It says in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse number 3 that the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side. And Israel stood on a mountain on the other side. And there was a valley that ran between them. And everybody was watching the valley. Everybody was so so excited to see what was going to happen in the valley. But nobody wanted to be in the valley. And everybody was fearful for the man that would step up to the task. It would be a mistake to think that just because there was a lot of people there, that when, that when David stepped onto the battlefield that he felt supported. But he felt all alone. It says that when Goliath finished his speech that rung throughout the valley in verse 11, that when Saul and all of Israel heard the words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and they were greatly afraid. It said that he came out to that valley and he began to defy the armies of Israel. And he did that. It said that he came morning and evening for 40 days. For 40 days they had to listen to this Philistine, to this uncircumcised Philistine talk about the armies of Israel and talk about how they were a weak nation and about how their God would not deliver them. But finally David got there and he said, I can't take it anymore. You don't get to talk about my God like that. You don't get to talk about my nation like that. That's my church. That's my church family. That's my ministry. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, everybody else was afraid. Everybody else was dismayed. But David said, thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. Oh, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied this day. Not tomorrow, not 41 days, not 42 days, not 43 days. This day, it's gone long enough. This day will the Lord deliver you into my hand. This day. Oh, some of us have been letting Goliath scream all of his rumblings for far too long. Somebody needs to step onto the battlefield and say, not another day. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, this day, he said that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. That all the earth and all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. Sometimes when we come into the battle, we have this preconceived notion and we think of battle and, and we see this man, this gigantic man, and he's got the sword and he's got the spirit, he's got the shield, he's got an armor bearer that is preceding him and that is walking out into the battle. And all we have, it seems like it's just a sling. But can I tell you, when you come onto the battlefield with a sling, when you come onto the battlefield with the name of the Lord of hosts, it doesn't matter what the enemy has in his hands. Hands, your God is greater. 
Or do I have some a testimony that you stepped onto the battlefield and didn't feel like you had very much in your hands? Oh, but God stepped onto the battlefield for you. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. There will be times when we walk into some valleys and we are going to have to fight. We're going to have to fight. I'm not generally a, a person that loves to fight. I heard one man say that he's never lost a fight. And that is true for me too because I've never been in a fight. <laughs> never been in a real one at least. Amen. But sometimes you got to gird yourself up like David and say, I've had enough. Oh, I've had enough. The devil was, excuse me, Goliath was on the land that belonged to Judah. They weren't fighting off in some foreign land. He had encroached on the people of God and upon their land. Let me make it more realistic. He had encroached into their neighborhoods. He had encroached into their schools. He began to teach doctrines that were false. He began to move into the minds of the young people. This is where he was. He was where they lived. Oh, man, we need a spirit of David that would fall on us and say, everybody else might be fearful. Everybody else might be dismayed, but I'm not going to take it. Amen. David wasn't just fighting just to fight. He didn't walk onto the battlefield because he was mad. His brother, when he got there to deliver the bread, his brother called him prideful. He didn't walk onto the battlefield to prove a point. He didn't walk up there to say, you know what, I'm really going to prove you now. But David's response was, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Oh yes, David, there is a cause. I'm telling you that not all battles that you will face will be just for you. Sometimes, and this is funny, but sometimes when you praise God and when you worship God, I'm not just doing it for me. Sometimes I jump on the way up, pastor, for you. On the way down, it's for somebody else. Sometimes I wave my hands this way for my brother. Sometimes I wave my hands this way for my sister. Oh, we would have a lot more victory if we learned how to not be selfish in our praise and selfish in our worship. Oh, Landon, this jump is for you. Jamal, this run is for you. Oh, I'm going to do it together. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. If they would have followed Goliath's invitation to fight, Goliath, if he was to win, he would win the children of Israel as servants of the Philistines. They would have to serve them. There are some battles that I fight that are for my neighbor. When I come to the altar, not every time is it just for me. Sometimes I praise God for my lost loved ones coming back home. Not every time that I worship, not every time that I praise can I afford to be selfish because there's somebody else that is struggling. There's somebody else that is walking onto the battlefield and they have been listening to the giant and they have been facing it what seems like also alone. Oh, but I worship God and I praise God. I'm with you, brother, and I'm with you, sister. You're not in it alone. Don't let the... Don't let the devil lie to you. Don't listen to the father of all lies. You've got a church that's got your back. You've got a ministry that's got your back. You've got people that are praying for you. You've got people that are fasting for you. 
Oh, hallelujah. Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, David was fighting for more than himself. He wasn't just fighting for the honor of his family or even for the honor of Israel as a nation. But when he stepped onto the battlefield, he was fighting for every neighborhood. If I could say it this way, that when we step into the prayer room, we're not just praying for us, but we're praying for the T-Rocket kids. When we praise and when we worship, we're not just doing it just for us, but we're doing it for those that are lost out in the world. Our praise and our worship, our prayers, have such a greater impact in the battle than just for us. You may not need God like you did last week. You may have already gotten your blessing. I know God's already moved, but I'm expecting him to move again. Amen? You may have already received your blessing, but maybe somebody else didn't break through like they needed to. And sometimes we walk onto the battlefield and we say, you know what, God, I got everything I needed. I don't think I really, I'm not willing to push a little bit further. I'm not willing to push a little bit harder because I've already received everything that I need. Oh, but we got to come into service and say, you know what? I don't know who else is fighting in the valley alone. I don't know who else is struggling, but I'm here for you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Is there not a cause? Oh, yes, there is a cause. Every filled seat is a cause. Every empty seat, whether it's somebody that's not here tonight or, or maybe nobody really sits there right now. I'm telling you that the lost loved ones and those that are struggling, those that are here and seemingly have it all together, that is the cause of the church. That is the cause of the saints. Oh, hallelujah. That is the cause. David wins with the help of the Lord and he fights Goliath. He takes the victory. But every battle is different. Every battle is different. And I don't mean this in a bad way. I'm not trying to oversimplify. I'm not tra tr trying to take anything away from David and Goliath. But not every battle will be as glamorous as David and Goliath. There's a lot more, lot more battles that are on the hillside. There's a lot more tiny steps that have to be taken before you can ever get to the valley. There are a lot more moments, the lion and the bear, that are where no one else can see you when you fight the battle. Not every time is it a one shot to the head of your giant from far away and your hands can remain clean and you remain unscathed. But sometimes it gets dirty and sometimes it gets messy and sometimes it gets bloody. And it is a vicious thing. This battle isn't quick. It seems like it's dragging on forever. Because every battle is not the same. If the musicians would please come. Pick the right preacher for tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't leave me hanging. Let's have a move of God. Praise God. Hosea 12 and 4. In Genesis 32, excuse me. Verse 22, we read about Jacob. And he is in this battle with this man that Hosea describes as an angel. And he rose up that night and he took his two wives, Genesis tells us, and his two women servants and his 11 sons and passed over the four Jabbok. He took them and he sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. And Jacob was left alone. 
He was left alone, and all of a sudden there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaketh. Let me go. And he said, I won't let you go until you bless me. And he said unto him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and you have prevailed. Jacob was getting ready to face what he believed would be a battle with his brother Esau. He had stolen the birthright. Viciously, Jacob is definitely a deceiver. He has deceived his brother out of the birthright. He has stolen the blessing. And it's a pitiful thing to watch in Genesis chapter, or read in Genesis chapter 27, where Esau comes back and he begins to beg Isaac for a blessing because Jacob has stolen the blessing. And Esau says that the days of my mourning or the, the days of mourning my father are at hand. But when those days are over, I am going to slay my brother Jacob. And Jacob leaves, and it's after all these years that God begins to touch. And he begins to work again. And he's been working with his father-in-law Laban, and, and God tells him, You need to go back to your own country. You need to go back to your own kindred. And so in case a battle would ensue, Jacob has sent everything over. Everything. The Bible says that he was left alone. And Bishop gave me a book. It's called The Night Scenes of the Bible. And I wish I won't do it justice, but it so accurately describes the setting. Jacob is not just left alone, but in this area that he is in, it was a place that nobody would ever want to be. He wasn't just alone and felt safe, but this was a place that robbers would rob and that killers would kill without hesitation. That there were bears and lions that were walking along the banks of this Ford Jabbok. And in this place that is so desolate, it is a wilderness. In this place, it's, it's got the river running through, but it's other than that, it's a desolate place. And here is Jacob, and everything he has is over on this other side. And he believes that Esau is coming with hundreds of other wild men that look just like him, that act just like him, that, have, that, that are ready and willing to kill just like him. And he gets to this place where he's on the other side. And he's just sitting there, and it's in the dead of night. Perhaps he could hear the herdsmen call, some far-off call. Or perhaps that he could hear the water running down and, and hitting the rocks. But here he is. He's all alone. And it is in this place that God decides to wrestle. This place that Jacob is alone and all by himself, all of a sudden he feels a hand on him and he begins he turns around and I can envision he begins to wrestle with this man he begins to assume and as he's so heightened his senses even as an older man his senses are heightened and he's 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 waiting he's he's trying to expect what is coming up and he begins to wrestle with this man all these years being fearful of being murdered and there wasn't anybody to help Jacob Stop this man from wrestling with him. He was all alone and he was struggling. There'll be times when, when you're fighting in the battle and you will be in the valley. 
And there will be times when everybody can see. And maybe it doesn't feel like it, but there are people cheering you on. But there are other times that it's in the dead of night. There are times that it's in the dead of night, and it's just you and God. Oh, don't ever be afraid of it just being you and God. Because it's in those moments when you begin to wrestle with God. And there's some things that God's beginning to deal with you about. And you just got to keep wrestling. And you just got to keep letting God work. And you just got to keep letting God move. It said that this angel touched the hollow of his thigh. But can I tell you, there is no amount of pain that will deter you if you get desperate enough to touch God. There's nothing that will get in your way. You won't care about what your friends think. You won't care if there's snot running down your nose. You don't care if you sweat through your suit. You don't care if you're mumbling over your words when you pray. If, if you really are going to touch God, then you got to get desperate. you got to say, God, nothing else matters. Just get me to the altar, God. I'm desperate for you, God. I'm facing this battle, God. I don't know what to do. There's not a whole lot in these hands. I'm not a man or woman of war. Oh, but you are a God of war. As we stand, I can't imagine this. This fight, I imagine it's not one that you write home to mom about. Probably pretty ugly. He probably got beat up pretty bad. I can just see it. I have a vivid imagination. His face gets shoved in the dirt. He's eating rocks. Somehow his ankle gets stepped on. And just when he thinks that it's, he, he's just about got it. That's when the angel touches the hollow of his thigh. And this is when God really begins to move. You have to get desperate. And as battles change, and as battles differ, they're never the same, but they're rarely even similar because there's all these variables. The time for the battle changes. When it happens, what day was it? What kind of battle? Was it air, land, or sea? Was it spiritual? Was it a mental thing? Was it a physical thing that you have to get through? Who or what you are fighting? And as humanity progresses, there's all kinds of technology. Everybody's trying to get an edge over the enemy. And all these different variables. And different battles require different tactics. Sometimes even different weapons. Walking around Jericho, they used instruments and their voices. Gideon used trumpets, empty pitchers, and torches. David used a sling, a stone, and a sword. And Jacob used his hands and his strength. There is a variety of tactics and weapons, and the same is spiritually speaking. Sometimes the Word of God acts as a sword, and it cuts. Sometimes it is used for comfort. Sometimes it's better for me to quote scripture to my situation. And other times it's better to just sit there and read the word of God. Sometimes prayer consists of thanksgiving. And sometimes it is intercession. Sometimes it is deep prayer. And you feel like you can't move from the spot. But other times I'm just talking to God as a friend. Because not every battle is the same. And as all these battles and all these variables, everything seems running amok. I can never seem to place what I'm supposed to do. 
there's one thing that stays the same throughout it all. Hebrews tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God isn't looking for some experienced, valiant soldier, some man or woman of war that knows how to pick up some sword and knows all the different techniques, but God is interested. Do you know how to pray? Do you know how to touch my face? Because it doesn't matter what Goliath holds in his hand. If you can get down on your knees and you can say, God, I need you. Oh, God, I need you. I need you to deliver me from this situation. And I don't care how long it takes. I'll stay here all night, God. I'll fast a little bit longer. I'll pray a little bit harder, God. But you got to step into my battle. God, because if you don't, God, this whole thing is going by the wayside. This whole thing, God, there's not a shot that I have unless the King of Kings and unless the Lord of Lords steps onto the battlefield, unless the King of Battles takes over. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. In Jacob's story where human power and skill failed to win, prayer and tears afforded him the victory. If you want the victory, you have to be desperate. But you have to surrender to God. You can be desperate to do all sorts of things. You can be desperate to worship. You can be desperate to praise. You can be desperate to glorify God. But if you don't get to the place that you're willing to melt under the anointing of God, if you don't get to the place that you say, God, there's really not a whole lot, God, inside this body. It's going to take a lot more of you, God, to fill me. It's going to take a lot more of you, God, to make me into something that is worth anything for your kingdom. If you don't get to that spot, then you'll never have a Jacob moment. You'll never be able to pass over the four Jabbok and be reunited with his brother. And there is plenteous wealth, and there is great things that happen after it. And Israel continues to grow as a nation. You will never get to that spot if you don't learn how to surrender and learn how to pray these altars are open as these singers sing I wonder if we could step forward I know there's been a great move of God but I wonder if we could push a little bit farther I wonder if we could say God I'm going to give you just a little bit more God oh God I'm willing to give you everything God that I have Jesus Jesus